Broadcasting live from the Winchester, this is the Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Taya and I'm joined by my bar crawlers, Mila, Louisa, and Zayla. And this month's theme is horror comedy. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at the Monstrous Feminine Podcast. This month, we will be talking about Shaun of the Dead, directed by Edgar Wright, Cabin in the Woods, directed by Drew Goddard, and Attack the Block, directed by Joe Cornish. If you would like to hear our bonus episode on Little Monsters, directed by Abe Forsyth, then head over to our Patreon and pledge to hear bonus and extended episodes. We hope you enjoy. This episode is centered on the 2004 zombie comedy Shaun of the Dead, directed by Edgar Wright. The film begins with his main character, Sean, in a rut. His best friend is a bit of a loser, his girlfriend has just left him, and he's been at the same dead-end job for years and spends every night at the local pub, the Winchester. However, a zombie outbreak soon shakes things up for Sean, and he quickly takes the steps to grow up and set his life into motion. Right. We take Pete's car, we drive over to Mum's, we go in... Uh, Take care of Philip. I'm so sorry, Philip. Then we grab Mum, we go over to Liz's place, pull up, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Why have we got to go to Liz's? Because we do. She dumped you. I have to know if she's all right. Why? Because I love her. All right, gay. So I thought that I wanted to hear each of your zombie survival plans, but deliver it Shaun of the Dead style. Like, you know, he's like, go to mum's, pick up Barbara, kill Philip, <laughs> go to the pub and have a nice pint or something. <laughs> That's my challenge to you three. I will not be partaking. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> well, only because I, my survival plan is that I don't have one. I want to die. So where am I? Am I in my apartment? Am I in Brooklyn? That's a wrong place to be during a zombie apocalypse. The rats would win that zombie apocalypse. Yeah, New York is not the spot. This is probably like very not optimal. It's true. I think I would have to form a mutual aid network amongst my building in my neighborhood. There are 20 steps in that step. (laughs) You were like, build a community, step one. Sorry, (laughs) you're knocking on doors. You need to just take about like 50 steps back and simplify this. Step one form an alliance with the bodega man if i can only have one alliance it'll be with him step two see if he'll let me use his walk-in freezer step three make a quick trader joe's run quick quick mm-hmm. get myself get myself some frozen some frozen items bring them into the walk-in freezer i think then i would stay in the freezer and either freeze to death or why do i to trader joe's to freeze to death with the food well you could have like a last meal it'd be quite nice it could be something. Not inside the freezer. It's going to be cold instantly. Okay, quicker, quicker than this. We need a quicker bunch of your plan. <laughs> All right. So there's, there's. I think that the next step would be as soon as things have died down a bit, I got to take the subways. I got to align with the mole people, with the rat people, because I feel like that will be the only way to get from point A to point B, because New York's too big to walk it. You're going to go into an enclosed space with no exit. That's the <laughs> worst plan. People. Have you seen Train to Busan? The train was the best place to be. It was not. I don't think you watched that film. Okay, uh, who's next? Random, random finger says Taya. Step one, grab my family. Step two, get a ton of gas. Um, It's going to drain all of our bank accounts at the current gas rates. (laughs) Um, Drive 
to the closest grocery store and get a ton of seeds for plants and also frozen food and canned food. Then I would say go online, <laughs> rent Airbnb for undisclosed amount of time that is in the mountains in North Georgia. Go to Airbnb, sit there, and watch Netflix while everybody else is in a zombie apocalypse. Airbnb will be up and running. Who's accepting your request? Like, I'm sure they want to post up in their Airbnb, like, for safety. Actually, to be fair, I'm sure people would, like, make money in the apocalypse. Like, some rich people would probably. So, you know what? I'll accept that, but it's going to be mad expensive. (laughs) Minus points, yeah. Mila, your zombie... Do your zombie survival plan, please. Yeah, step one. Stay where I am and do nothing. (laughs) That's it. Do you think that your area would be zombified quickly? Like, do you think people would be stupid and getting bitten? I think people would be stupid in England and America. Honestly, the more I look out my window at at Crown Heights, I'm like, nah, I'm not lasting 20 minutes. (laughs) 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 People are out for themselves, I think. Yeah. With Shaun of the Dead, compared to American zombie movies, where it seems like at least one person is, like, competent with a gun, no one is competent. Everyone is just, like... Out of their element. Yeah. But it's kind of endearing. The Monstrous Feminine is on Apple Podcasts, so please go leave us a five-star review and write us a little message. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout-out in our next episode is our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week, is We Stand Horror Queens from the US, who left us a five-star review from Apple Podcasts that said, Wow, I am obsessed. If you love horror and don't have friends to watch it with, then this is the podcast for you. The hosts are all really fun and engaging, and the listener is part of the conversation between friends. Also, I love the way films are discussed through a critical and artistic lens. Love it. If you don't have friends, I love that. Yeah. If you don't have friends, we'll be your friend. A lot of my friends didn't like horror because it's kind of a niche. So that's that's true. We can fulfill your niche. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you going on Apple Podcasts and leaving us such a lovely review. Hearing you guys say that you enjoy like hearing our conversations and that you feel a part of it is just the best thing ever to us. Hope you have a wonderful week and year and all your dreams come true. Friendly reminder that we are also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear a cut discussion from our main episodes. And for £5 a month, you get all that plus a bonus episode. Please support us. Any contribution helps. So you know how I'm like, I hate comedy. I don't want to do it. I just kind of like went off. I put my whole podcast sissy into this. (laughs) You're pudissy. And there's also like, you don't understand how many academic essays there are on Shaun of the Dead in particular. That's so funny. I had no idea. (laughs) I've done a lot of deep diving into it. But one thing that I want to lead us into was, or pick back up on, was Mila, you saying that it's funny in English horror because no one knows how to use a gun and it's quite relatable. And (laughs) this review, it was on deepfocusreview.com. They said, these characters are relatable and behave in ways that make sense emotionally, as opposed to the dramatic survival-minded decision makers of most zombie movies, i.e. they watch the news and they react to the zombie in the garden and they plan to rescue their ex and their mom. Like, it's not like an elaborate, thought-out action movie kind of plan that we usually get in zombie movies. And I completely agreed with that. I was like, yeah, this... This movie, I think, is most realistic. I mean, besides the whole, like, tongue-in-cheek going to the bar thing, I think this movie is, like, 
quite I don't realistic. know. I think that's pretty realistic for some folks. Yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe. <laughs> if that's your safe space and you don't know where else to go, like... Their locals are their emotional support systems. And I feel like they would just migrate there. That's true. Like, but English, like, boys, their relationship with the pub is unbreakable. <laughs> that is an unbreakable bond. Who knows how to shoot a gun? I do. Okay, great. We'll be no fine. Way. Mila, you do not know. Mila, you are just <laughs> fucking with us. I really appreciate zombie movies where, like, the zombies move slow. Because if it's, like, the ones, like, World War Z or or where they, like, can run, I feel like it's unfair. Like, surely people wouldn't die in their nervous system still let them run. For me, what zombies have over the average person is it's a sheer numbers game. If they have any other skills beyond outnumbering me, I, I don't think we stand a very strong chance but these were wonderfully slow enough to like you know give yourself time to think and those south korean ones are also feral they're like (laughs) i'll pull a sound clip from busan of them like thank you yeah like don't use that (laughs) way better than mine but you know they sound like they're like frothing at the mouth practically they get like rabid basically and i i think that's terrifying it's kind of like a different purpose those kind of zombies have it's like a more immediate fear and it's more like visceral but like in Shaun of the Dead like obviously like it's comedy but it's also kind of like things are just happening around the zombies like the zombies don't matter yeah Shaun of the Dead is interesting like because this comedy to me is like the comedy of the cartoon show the regular show where it's like (laughs) comedy but it's also like growing up and becoming an adult how old is Shaun supposed to be he's grown 29 he is not 29. How old was he when he played that? Simon. When I watch Love Island and they say they're 21 on Love Island, like, babe, you're cool 31. But they really are 21. Simon was born in 1970 and this film came out in 2000. He was 34. He is like the quintessential, like, white middle class English dude, Sean. Like, that is exactly how they would act. I wouldn't necessarily say middle class. Well, I guess, really? no, it's actually his family is. Yeah, but he's, well, we'll get to this a little bit later. The Marxist breakdown that I see in this notes. The way that I hear people talk about like middle class in England is always like what we would think of as upper middle class in the US. Like I was like reading this chef's article and she was talking about like shopping at Waitrose and like the essential stuff from like Planet Organic or whatever. That would be upper middle class here as well though. Yeah, that's upper. To be fair, we also do not talk about class in the same way or nearly as much as y'all do. We have multiple like divisions within class brackets that I don't think Americans have. Y'all are obsessed. That was the thing that like truly shooken me to my core. I'm like, I have never experienced because like walking down the street, I feel like in whatever neighborhood where I'm in New York, everyone assumes I'm of the class that I'm in neighborhood that I'm in. Like genuinely, like unless it's like Upper West Side or something completely ridiculous, like you're going to think I'm an upper class tourist or something like that. The way that y'all read class on each other was completely new to me. I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. Maybe it's like lingering effects of having a fucking monarchy. It's fucking feudalism. Y'all are whack. (laughs) I want to talk about the Marxist stuff. (laughs) Um, however, it first involves pointing out the fact that there are so many previous zombie film references in Shaun of the Dead, way more than I could 
spot off the bat but vanity fair did a youtube video where they like basically did a breakdown of all pop culture references but they do specifically cover like zombie references which i thought was really clever like the whole thing obviously given the name is a parody of george a romero's like night of the living dead series and dawn of the dead from 1968 and 1978 respectively as you always say zaba like horror is really self-referential and so is comedy exactly sorry yeah horror and comedy are both self-referential the most famous one is Ed says, we're coming to get you, Barbara, which references the famous line, um, they are coming to get you, Barbara, in Night of the Living Dead <laughs> from 1968. <laughs> A lot of impressions I'm doing this episode. <laughs> and then Sean says, he's like politely inviting his flatmate to come to go with them. And he's like, uh, if you want to join us. And it's that's when his zombified Pete turns around. And that's kind of playing on what the evil force says in The Evil Dead from 1981, where he's like, join us. So those are probably the two most famous or well-known. I have some other Easter eggs that are basically, this all stems from, sorry to get into this so quickly, the use of the N-word, which I think I had forgotten. Oh, God. It surprised me. He's like, come in the car. He's like, get in, N-word. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I now I remember. Now I remember. <laughs> But you know why I didn't remember? Because I laughed. I laughed because I was uncomfortable, but like I definitely did laugh. When that came around, I went on Reddit and I was like, Edward, Sean for the Dead. And basically a lot of the like, oh, it's because he's a gamer. He would just like have that vocabulary, blah, blah, blah. I thought he was imitating Flavor Flav. Like gamers are known to do. Gamers are always imitating Flavor Flav. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> Someone very helpfully did point out that the repeated line where people keep saying, you've got red on you. It's obviously like a play on like it being blood, the red pen, but it's also a line from a video game that Nick Frost's character, what is he called? Ed? No, maybe Ed. Yeah. He's playing Time Splitters too, and they have that line. So that's where that's from. But what does that have to do with the N-word? This is how I got to the Easter egg. He just said it for pure bands. And like British early 2000s comedy is a minefield most comedy stuff if you go back and watch it did not age well i think this one actually did bar that the one moment where i was like too far even when stuff doesn't age well it doesn't necessarily like make me not like the work yeah yeah like i don't think mean girls age well at all but i still think it's like a fun watch but this is obviously much better than mean girls so the reason I was getting into the Night of the Living Dead references was just because it then leads on to the Marxist reading quite nicely in that many people view the original kind of Living Dead series as a capitalist critique being that the zombies like excessive cannibalistic consumption is reflective of the thoughtless and excessive need for endless consumption fueled by capitalist systems. Academics talking about Shaun of the Dead kind of pointed out like how this kind of builds on that in specific ways. So Shelley Reese in their academic essay, The Queer and the... I love this title, first of all. The Queer and the Dead, The Transgressive Sexuality in Shaun of the Dead. Hold on. We will get into that. There's also a queer reading coming up. Um, currently that Julia Louis-Dreyfus meme where it's like, collapse nervously. What the fuck? No, this is my favorite part of every episode when Louisa brings a reading that I am completely unprepared for. I just strap in. I get ready to agree. I love that I only do it for the most ridiculous films that we do, like Gremlins and Shanta. But yeah, so this, Shelley Reese points out that the film's like a Marxist commentary on labor alienation. 
e.g. the scenes of like English people like going on the bus to work and they're basically like indistinguishable from the zombies later on because obviously the audience knows what this film's gonna be but you're like they already look like zombies so in that way and then Lindsay Decker in their academic essay British cinema is undead American horror British comedy and generic hybridity in Shaun of the Dead they make a similar point and they link this to new labor's economy which led to and I quote the zombified nature of work in Britain's service economy specifically which is mindless and repetitive she goes one further to suggest that this film also hints at the treatment of workers being exploitative and I thought that was actually really interesting because in the final tv segment at the very end of the film where they like show what's happened now that there are some zombies integrated in society you have this point where they're like oh the zombies can do can work at the supermarket and do these like mindless repetitive jobs but in that same montage you have zombies being humiliated on a game show like treated as like bait and then also you have another who's being seduced by his wife like post zombie transformation so it's like it's kind of showing that these are like all forms of exploitation so it basically is kind of making positing a Marxist critique in that way it's kind of those things where I was like reading these essays and I was like this is so wild but then I was like you're making a lot of really good points as well I think a lot of English comedy I don't want to say anti-capitalist because I don't think it fundamentally is I think it has a lot of jokes around like you say that mindless labor going to work that kind of emotion everyone goes through but I don't ever think it takes it further than that I think it's like a sort of collective complaint I've noticed that media that critiques capitalism that comes out of countries where the majority of workers work in jobs like that that are menial are very different so where lots of people work in factories lots of people work in manufacturing lots of people commute to work in the same way like it's very industrialized in that way the critiques that come out of those medias are usually a not comedy and be like hit more directly. Like I think people outside of the UK do not think of the average like working class person as like a bag boy. I think they imagine something else and it is to the benefit of propaganda that people believe that the average person does not work a job like that. Like it makes the country seem more appealing in a place that doesn't exploit people. So it's like weird that they always do it in comedy. You're right. So much about English culture and the way middle-class white people that's like what I can speak to there's such a like passivity to a terrible life you're like oh obviously this is bad I know this system isn't fair and I know it's not working if someone's like oh we should do something about it be like what are you talking about we can't do something there's a lot of apathy and maybe yeah maybe comedy kind of neutralizes it I'm not sure how radical it actually was meaning to be yeah meaning to be I think yeah it's to me like this movie is like comedy in the same way as like Fleabag, like those quirky British comedies where it's like the person's an adult, but they're not where society expects them to be for their age. Um, they get stuff wrong. They they fuck up a lot. And like this movie to me, like the zombies felt less like a critique of capitalism and more like a critique of conforming to what adulthood is supposed to be like. Um, where you're like supposed to have like this stable relationship and you're supposed to eventually buy a house and have this stable job. And so like everyone around you at that age starts to have those things. And if you don't, then you feel like the only person who's standing out from like this field of zombies per se. And like the ending to Mm. me feels like he kind of finds like his own way of adulthood. 
but like keeping his best friend who is now zombie like in the shed to go play video games and like keeping that side of himself very much like intact while also having the side of him that's with the partner and has saved the day and uh conformed to this life but still has like the side of him that kicks it with the boys and plays video games because I think so much of like the way that adulthood is defined is by letting go of playing video games and going out and just like sitting home and boredom drinking wine <laughs> and having dinner parties that you don't enjoy and doing things that you hate and going to a job you hate and that's not necessarily the way that it has to be and of course like that also is a symptom of capitalism having like specific expectations of what someone should be doing for age and what is productive and what should people be doing doing to contribute to society but like this to me felt like a, a a very fun movie to watch in your 20s when like everyone around you is getting married and having kids and I feel like I've talked about this type of themes a lot but that is because I am in my 20s <laughs> and everyone I know is getting married and having kids a lot of the critics use exactly what you say Taya but for their queer reading oh no, that makes sense no Louisa I'm you're about to you're about to blow my mind I know you're about to blow my mind okay guys strap in I'm going to take you through the readings like they kind of tell a narrative so you got to hop on with me and I've got to start first with a little bit of mon femme which is the psychosexual reading. So in Shelley Reese's academic essay like I said the queer and the dead uh, transgressive sexuality they really focus on the Freudian slash Oedipal kind of aspect of it in that he hates his stepdad and he also wants to kill his stepdad like immediately like immediately <laughs> the second chaos breaks out he's like I gotta kill Philip he also calls Philip a motherfucker and he points a cricket bat at him, but then he lowers it because Philip kind of emasculates him. And his mom also makes jokes which emasculate him when he points the cricket bat and he's trying to be all macho. She's like, oh, darling, you should put that in the yard sale. Um, and just like <laughs> doesn't get the point at all. And then he gets phone calls from his girlfriend and his mother and they're very much confused. And there's sexual jokes about his mother and his girlfriend for, like from Ed. Um, he gives his girlfriend Liz flowers that he bought for his mother. Like they're very crossed over. So there is yeah. a yeah, lot of I didn't like notice that. <laughs> so there's a lot of like obviously you can supercharge that with some Freudian reading of it because like it's yeah he's a mama's boy and the point is that he hasn't grown up but there's an obvious like Freud interpretation there and you could see it a little bit as Creed as well like if you think archaic mother because he does actually have to kill his mother when she turns to a zombie and wants to eat him again which is like archaic mother loves reincorporation bringing back into her body so him killing his mother is like the final part of like growing up shut up i mean carry on <laughs> but shut up <laughs> this is what other people have pointed out this leads us to there's katherine akd and thomas oates essay family splatters rescuing heteronormativity from the zombie apocalypse i don't have any specific quotes there but overall they talk about how zombie movies really sentimentalize the nuclear family and they do because it's always like let me go rescue my immediate family which you would do i'm not saying that's necessarily unrelatable but there is like a glorification of like that core nuclear family structure okay and then shelly race again um basically they locate ed as um you're gonna tell me he's gay i'm gonna i'm gonna have some things going on in my brain i'm not not saying that he's gay if that's what you want she shelly reese locates ed as his libido because in the very beginning when liz is like we need more time together it would be nice if we could and then ed in the background goes fuck so it's kind of like saying that he's the reason that they can't fuck. oh the joke about them being like 
together and boyfriends. There's also that joke. Um, he says he's not my boyfriend, and then he says thanks, babe, and winks. Um, I think they're in I love. Think they're in love. <laughs> Basically, Reese then says nothing about their relationship actually really changes at the end. Like, Sean still gets to keep Ed and has, and they still have an immensely mundane life, which revolves around going to the pub. And Liz is just happy with it. He's even more dead weight now. Like, he's literally dead weight. He's a zombie. So why would it be acceptable for Ed to be in his life? So I thought that made sense. Linda Blake, similarly, in The Wounds of Nations, Horror, Cinema, and Historical Trauma, and National Identity, says that there's a moralistic ending where the film possesses an quote insistently heterosexist logic end quote that requires sean to quote repress his adolescent yearning for homosocial camaraderie and redirect his desire towards heterosexual romance domesticity and putative paternity in order to come fully to a life and face his responsibilities as a heterosexual and a man edgar wright's doing none of this i'm sorry hear me out this is like very similar to the Striking Vipers episode of Black Mirror, where he was fucking his friend in the video game. Yeah. This is something I've been talking about for weeks. That st- straight men, I'm doing air quotes for the listeners, that straight men hate women so much that they are gay. The way that if they were attracted to their friends, would be fucking their friends, would be in relationships with their friends. Like the way they don't want to talk to women, they don't want to have to do anything with women. They just want to have sex. And they think that the exchange or the transaction is like, I have to like talk to women and be nice to them and do X, Y, and Z and get them things and take them out and do whatever to get sex. I don't think if sex was off the table that men would be talking to women at all, a lot of the time. Their homosocial bonds are so important to them to the point that like they cannot even acknowledge that they might even be a tinge romantic. Louisa, I would, I might agree with that point if let's say when the joke was made that Ed is Sean's boyfriend, if they were like defensive about it, I might agree with you. It's like, we're not gay, fuck you man. Then, yeah. He does say he's not my boyfriend. But then he, you know, like he then he winks at him. He's like, oh, babe, get me a pint or something. It's a joke. Yeah. I think they're secure in their sexuality, but whether or not I'm secure in it. I get what they were saying in the sense that it does seem like a lot of straight guys hate women, particularly also if we're talking about stiffy British guys. Like when you said stiffy, I didn't know where you were going with it. <laughs> okay. Mind out the gutter, children. But, you know, like stiff stiff british men when they're like my wives are such nags you know and it is like why are you married <laughs> like why did you they marry don't them? like being around women i think what you said about that tie is that like he finds his own version of adulthood was most applicable or relevant to this queer reading because Lindsay decker and shelly reese had said that like he doesn't actually like have to leave much behind like he can have he can still have a relationship with his best friend and actually his bond with his friend is stronger than with Liz because it transcends like zombification whereas he and Liz almost broke up because of a dinner reservation you know what I mean like it's like way more fragile in comparison to their relationship and then he basically still gets to keep it but he's just like closeted like now because like Ed's been moved into the shed it's like an acceptable he's in for the closet. yeah he's in the closet and liz is no longer threatened by the relationship thank you for listening to the monstrous feminine be sure to follow us on instagram soundcloud and spotify at the monstrous feminine podcast and on twitter at the monfem pod subscribe to our youtube channel and rate and review us on apple podcasts and follow us on tiktok at the monstrous feminine pod brooms up which is out